Think about it this way. I am broadcasting professionally while being very unprofessional in my attire. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. Yes. I'm not wearing pants. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. Indeed, it is Quality Hang. I am Rod Brooks, and as always, my partner in crime on this podcasting journey that we have embarked on, arm in arm, the homie Marcus Osborne. What's up, man? How you doing? What it is, Rod? What it yeah, is? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I, I flew into the, back in the bay for a few days. So uh, I, I love how we have this ability to use all this tech stuff. Uh, to basically record podcasts on the go whenever necessary. It's pretty goddamn cool. I know, right? It, you know, it, it, you think about the advances in technology and forms in, in terms of our way to communicate. Yeah. You know, it, it used to be, and not that long ago, that to talk to someone who was a great distance away from you, that cost you good money. Oh, yeah. And you 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 had to plan out talking to someone yep. long distance now you can talk to somebody long distance for absolutely free like <laughs> yep. that, that switch that change that very important change i mean it, the, the ability to human for human beings to to contact and converse with each other over great distances that kind of stuff changes the world the telegraph changed the world the telephone yeah. changed the world and now here we are with the ability you know with uh, with the internet to be able to com to communicate, he tried to say, with people over great distances almost instantly and to do it for as cheaply as we can do it. Yeah. When you think about it, you don't even have to be high on weed to have your mind blown by it. <laughs> <laughs> you are on point. I mean, uh, technology like uh, like education are, are the great equalizers. Man. Yeah, right, right, I mean, right. Think about the idea of us even trying to do a broadcast. I mean, we would have to literally be in a studio, probably on ISDN lines, in order for this thing to even come out with a decent sound. Now, I mean, I'm literally have my smartphone here, and I'm dialed into this uh, anchor, this anchor software, and it sounds pretty goddamn good. I mean, listen, think about it this way: I am broadcasting professionally while being very unprofessional in my attire. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. Yes. I'm not wearing pants. Yes. That's how I'm doing this. That's how this podcast gets down. Pantless <laughs> when it uh, when it has to be. So we we are living in indeed a golden age when it comes to communication. Mm -hmm. And we are living in the wildest timeline when it comes to everywhere else because we are now at a point in American history where a former president just had his crib run up on and run through by Dude. the feds. <laughs> <laughs> they hit old boy with a warrant, <laughs> ran up in his house for nine plus hours, rummaged through that place, looking for some pretty important slash damning shit, and then Ooh. smooth walked out of there with all the stuff. An old boy whose name will not be mentioned, but you know who I'm talking about, and all his people, they shook right now, Marcus. Absolutely Man. shook. I, I This proves a lot of stuff to me. I mean, this proves exactly what I've, what most of us have probably believed over the past few decades. These guys aren't real patriots. 
They do not care about America. They simply care about having power, mm-hmm. having control, and holding on to it. Because there's not a single reason in the world that anyone who saw this thing objectively will look at that and go, oh, what? We're, we're pl- the FBI is planting things at this dude's house? <laughs> oh, 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 now the FBI is planting. Now you believe it. <laughs> the, the FBI that's led by a guy <laughs> that the former president appointed. Oh, that FBI. These they, they, jokers. They, they did it to you. you. You know what else? They are? Clearly, you're correct, Marcus. They're not patriotic. They don't care a damn about this country. And they don't care a Mm-mm. damn about the citizens of this country, even those that are in lockstep with their uh, repugnant Republican ideology. They are also not very smart. These are some of the dumbest criminals I've ever seen. If you're going to be that goddamn devious, if you're going (laughs) to be that goddamn shady, then at least have some intelligence. Yo, man, I grew up with drug dealers, street (laughs) pharmacists that are smarter than these guys. And what's amazing to me is I, I go between going, you know what? These dudes are just charlatans. They don't believe any of the stuff that they're saying to going, you know what? Maybe they are fucking nuts. Maybe they, maybe they do believe this shit. Maybe they do believe it. Like the, the fact that this Donald Trump dude can sit up and come up with 17 different excuses and he's just throwing shit at the wall at this point to see what sticks. And I have to say, it's pretty genius because he has come to understand that it doesn't matter what he says or does. All he has to do is say it out loud yes. and enough people will believe it to yes. muddy up the waters yes. of information. And that's the, the quote-unquote genius of Donald Trump, who's not a particularly smart dude, but he's a cunning guy, and he knows how to manipulate his particular levers of power. Well, a, a stupid guy understands stupid people. Right. He understands that stupid people, and these are the people that follow him and his ideology, those stupid people, what do they respond to? They respond... To them, dumb is strength. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. They respond to being loud and being wrong. Yeah. But if you say it with a certain amount of conviction, and if it's a certain person that's saying it, then it will be, if if not outright believed at a minimum, and this is what this is what the 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 former president wants, he just wants it to be amplified. Yeah. Because once it's amplified, once it's out there then you are going to get a certain number of dumb people to go, you know what? He's right. We should mm-hmm. fund the FBI. When you're just like, really? Really? Okay, so now you're, you're <laughs> yeah. anti-law enforcement because yeah, yeah. your people got hemmed up? Yeah. Get out of here with that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was fine when it was Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. You set right, Malcolm right. X up to right. get killed and, right, right. and you, you're killing Freddie Hampton. All these, you, Breonna Taylor and so many others are being murdered by these by law speak enforcement speak on it speak but, on it but suddenly it's defund the fbi and you can't now it's weaponizing now it's weaponizing the uh, fbi you you're 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 killing me man you're killing me just dumb people and they they know now they're they're caught 
they're, they're, I don't know how this and what the timeline is going to be in terms of justice actually being served. Yeah. But justice is definitely being cooked up. <laughs> justice is on the menu. Justice has been ordered. It is being prepared and it is about to be served. And these people are absolutely shooketh. And so there, I, I have been waiting. Now, I, I, I mean this. I've honestly been waiting for the old school, tried and true sort of, uh, but the old school sort of Republican to step up and say, no, this is not our country. This is not how we do things. No one is above the law. I, I guess this party has been completely taken over by yeah. lunatics and charlatans and conspiracy theorists and even scarier uh, Christian nationalists who are more interested in having us governed by, you know, a, a religious tome than by actual the actual constitution that they continue to bitch about? No, they you they are uh, they are they are invested with the former president and his grift. Um, the two people, the Republicans that have spoken out against him, one is about to get primaried in Liz yeah. Cheney. Mm -hmm. uh, senator from Wyoming, that primary is today as we tape this, August 16th, a Tuesday, and she is, she's in trouble in Wyoming because, well, it's Wyoming. And <laughs> yeah. they, you know, they have the Republicans uh, who are uh, beholden to the former orange president. Uh, he's still orange. He's just a former president. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mitt Romney, you know, they just crap on him all the time. So, Amazing. Um, you know, those, those nails Romney and Liz Cheney sticking out and they're being hammered in by Fox News and the other uh, Republicans who uh, who have no morals and have no soul. So and, and then you can tell certain people like Mitch McConnell uh, mm -hmm. are being very quiet about this because it's best for him to say nothing. But his yeah. silence is telling you everything that you need to know. He knows that 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 old boy is cooked and the people who are down with him. Are, uh, are cooked as well. So clearly this is a developing story for uh, this country and uh, the democracy as we know it. But I, I, I know I'm not the only person of color. I know I'm not the only black person who appreciated the, the I guess, irony mm -hmm. of a former president having his career <laughs> run up all by the police <laughs> to serve a warrant looking for stuff. There's just, there's just, there's just something delicious about that. If you're a, a person of color and you grew up in the eighties during the crack era. Hey, um, <laughs> wait, my, my boy said, my boy said, no, man, I, I was just taking these home. It was homework. Like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. I was just holding it. That's all. Oh, these? Oh, y'all want these back? No, I would no. See what had happened was, I was in a hurry, even the White House, because I thought I was going to win. And I'm like, oh, oh my man, God. they really want me out of here before checkout time, huh? Well, let me get all these. <laughs> my bad. I didn't Can know y'all needed these. I didn't know y'all needed these. I'm going to keep this. Is that cool? I'm going to keep this. One. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah, they say seafood. Uh, that's French. I don't speak French. This blankety blank thought he was going to get away with stealing important secrets and documents from the United States. The, the, the droopy balls on that orange guy. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's, let's jump into the world of sports. Football season is rapidly approaching. Thank God almighty. Uh, the NFL has had its first week of preseason. And I think I, 
I had the same feeling about the first week of preseason that most football-loving Americans have when it comes to the first week of preseason. Yay, football is back! <laughs> and then pretty much after it. three or four series, you go, oh, it's still preseason. It's a well, tough watch, but it is I, football. Yeah, man. And, you know, I, I'm one of the people who I, – I, I don't have the disdain for preseason football. I've been a long-time football junkie, so any football is great for me. But I've also learned to appreciate some some little nuggets I can glean from okay. Okay. Uh, preseason football. I, like, I typically will go in – like, I'm, I don't care about the outcome. The outcome of games is meaningless in the preseason. But what you do kind of learn is sort of what the team is planning for the year, how they plan to execute, uh, whether, are there some gyms, uh, and there are certain things that – kind of translate to the regular season to get a decent defensive play for whatever reason it tends to play a little bit better than decent offensive play but i like the planning and they've got that is very (laughs) obviously but it is it Work all this like I'm. Saying, it's just not. It's not. If Al Davis was alive, pitch and pitch because you know he hated that kind of. If Al Davis was alive, it wouldn't be throwing screens. He rolling over in his grave right now. Yep, exactly, exactly. And interesting to see. Uh, it looks like they're definitely going to try to do <clears throat> uh, running back by committee. Here, Derek Carr. Hopefully, he'll get. A ch- we'll get a chance to see him play a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like on the other side of the bay, Man. quote unquote. <laughs> I should say the yeah, country, right. the state. Uh, <laughs> the Niners. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking this is going to be a big, big year for the Niners. Everybody's just going to everybody's going to focus on Trey Lance, uh, yep. their young stud, strong-armed, mobile quarterback. But emphasis on the word young. Uh, mm-hmm. Only played a little bit of college football. That being at South Dakota State, and uh, this will be his first year as a starter as uh, they have moved on the Niners from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Trey Lance, who had a fantastic uh, preseason game uh, a few nights ago. Um, he's going to be the story. But for me, where the Niners are going to do their damage, that defense is going to be lethal. Their defense, they, they, they were already <coughs> good and deep on their defensive line. Yeah. They're going to be even better and they're going to be even deeper. They have, I believe, the best linebacking core in, uh, in the league. Oh, wow. And they've gotten better in their defensive backfield. Um, so to me, that that's where you know, that's going to be the furnace for that team. What What is going to be the eventual outcome of that Niner defense stopping the opponent and getting the ball to that offense? It's going to be an offense that will look like uh, a, a 21st century football offense where you have a strong-arm mobile quarterback who, if things break down in the pocket, he can get out and throw on the run, extend plays, uh, you know, all the things you hear all the time. And then with Kyle Shanahan being – one of the best offensive minds in football, he can now design his offense around a quarterback that is a legitimate threat when running the ball, and they can now threaten downfield, which is something they could not, did not, whichever way you want to look at it, 
do with Jimmy Garoppolo. So they 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 have a new weapon in Lance that they can use going with a defense that is going to be better than it was last year. And it was a pretty damn good defense last year. I think the sky's the limit for the Niners. I really do. Well, I mean, the difference should be the quarterback, right? I mean, that is. Yeah, that's it. Be the difference. And if this guy turns out to be uh, even 10% better than Jimmy Garoppolo, this team could actually go a lot further than people probably anticipate. And they made some changes on their offensive line, too, and I know that's scaring a lot of people because they're going to have some uh, – they don't have the continuity yet that you would like. And you think, well, you got a young quarterback. you you got some changes on the offensive line. That, that shouldn't be good. <clears throat> They've got some real studs on that offensive line, and they expect for that continuity uh, from that old line to come together quickly. When that hits with the run game that, that the Shanahan family always possesses, going back to – to uh, yeah. Mike Shanahan Mike. when he was uh, uh, the coach of the Broncos and even when he was the old coordinator for those great Niner teams back in the 80s and early 90s. Um, th th this Niner team is – they know they're good and everybody else in the league knows that uh, that they're good as well. You know, I didn't put this on the rundown, but mainly because I completely forgot about it until we started talking about quarterbacking for the San Francisco 49ers. But I saw a story that was, I don't know, kind of troubling. Uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo and how he sort of blew off and ghosted the coaches during the offseason. Did you see this story? I did see it, yes. So, I, I mean, whether or not it's true, I guess, to because it is, you know, the offseason, et cetera. I know you're, you're starting quarterback and coaches want to be able to grab you at any time for any reason, et cetera. But I don't know, man. It, it felt really leaky. It yep. felt like somebody yep. was trying to like kind of stick a fork in Jimmy yep. in Jimmy Garoppolo, yep. and I'm like, I, I hope that's not the Niners, man, because that that's no, I, no, no, I no, no, no. I, I don't. It's you, you, your bullshit detector um, is correct. That mm. story was complete and total nonsense. There's mm -hmm. one thing I know about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation with the Niners. Kyle Shanahan loves that guy. He understood his shortcomings. Sure. It didn't mean that he wasn't frustrated with his play at times, but Kyle Shanahan loved that guy and loved what he did for the Niners, you know, and looked in terms of his entire career, it was a success. They didn't win a Super Bowl, and part of them not winning a Super Bowl had to do with Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations, but everybody loves Jimmy Garoppolo in the, in that Niner organization because he's he's kind of an everyman type guy. He's not the type of quarterback that separates himself <laughs> from the rest of, uh, of the team. And um, also, listen, dude's a handsome cat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, hot people get away uh, with, I should say, get away with a lot of stuff. But people gravitate towards uh, hot people, hot no, women right. and right. hot men. So that, that story right. was bullshit. I, I, that, to me, that story came, that story came from folks who want to depress Jimmy Garoppolo's trade market value. It wouldn't come from the Niners. What 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 would be the point in the Niners putting out a story that in essence slanders Jimmy Garoppolo when they are actively trying to trade him? They don't right. need to trade him. They would like to trade him. Uh, but the Trey Lance is their quarterback. But they don't need to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Why would they put out a story that makes Jimmy Garoppolo look bad? On the flip right. side, it would make sense for a team that needs a quarterback or wants Jimmy Garoppolo. It would make sense for them 
or or people working in 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 bad faith for an organization that wants Jimmy Garoppolo, it would make sense for them to maybe let's just see if we can knock that asking price down just a little bit. So when I saw the story, I didn't even bother reading it. I'm like, that's just, that's bullshit. And that's just the game that that's played in, in the NFL when it comes to, we're going to try and move somebody or, or to see if we can slander somebody to make it easier uh, or make the price even better to get them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that is, uh, I I was really disappointed to read that. That kind of, I mean, plus this is a, Jimmy Garoppolo's a dude. He's not bothering nobody, man. Right. <laughs> why you want? Why you want to hit this dude, man? He ain't bothering nobody. Exactly, dude. <laughs> exactly. So you know, speaking of, from one from that conspiracy theory to uh, one of my all time favorite ones from you, uh, you you got to get into this one about the Super Bowl. <laughs> I am of a mind that Super Bowl three, which is the famous. Joe Namath poolside in Miami guarantee yeah. that the at the time AFL because and this is important the league had not yet merged the mm-hmm. AFL the American Football League which was started to rival the NFL in the 60s the AFL was still a separate entity yeah. but by 1968 1969 the AFL and NFL had agreed to merge and that merge was going to happen and to give us the league that we have right now, which gives you the American football conference and the national football conference, that merger was to happen uh, after the 19 after super bowl four. But up until that time, and you had two super bowls between the AFL and the NFL, the Packers of the NFL beat the brakes off of in Super Bowl one the Kansas City Chiefs and in Super yep. Bowl two the Oakland Raiders. And yep. the AFL was still seen as compared to the NFL an inferior product. That's a yep. very important point that I want you to keep in mind. I'm of a mind that Super Bowl three with Joe Namath, the guarantee, the New York Jets going up against the vaunted, the 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 uh dynastic Baltimore Colts I believe that Super Bowl was absolutely fixed or thrown, depending on which way you look at it. And why do I mm-hmm. believe that? couple of things. Number one, the thing I just said. If for the third year in a row you have an NFL team, the Baltimore Colts, slap around an AFL team, that's not a good look for a league that is bringing in what is thought to be, even if it's not, even if it's not true, perception as we know for a lot of people is reality. Yeah. If you bring it in an inferior league, the AFL. So in my conspiracy theory mind, it was very important for the NFL as they were embarking on the merging of the AFL into the NFL. It was important for them to show that the AFL is a legitimate league, or at least can produce a worthy champion in the AFL NFL Super Bowls. So why does Joe Namath sitting poolside guarantee that they're going to win? Because he knew that his team knew exactly what the Baltimore Colts were going to do. And here's my point. Earl Morrill, who was the quarterback of the uh, Colts that year, because Johnny Unitas got hurt, the great Johnny Unitas. Earl Morrill threw a league leading. I looked this up. He threw a league-leading Earl Morrill 26 touchdowns yeah. that entire season. 
How many did he throw in Super Bowl three? He didn't throw. No, he threw three interceptions. He didn't throw any touchdowns. They knew right. what was right. coming. That Colts. I mean that 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 Jets defense. They absolutely knew what was coming. That's why Joe Namath was so was so uh, uh, confident and made that guarantee because he knew that his squad knew exactly what the Baltimore Colts were going to do. And on top of so you so you got the 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 merger, you've got Namath's guarantee, you got Earl Morrill's performance in that Super Bowl, and on top of the fact that the owner of the Colts at the time, Carol Rosenblum, was mobbed up like a mofo. As far as I'm concerned, Super Bowl three, Joe Namath walking off the field at the Orange Bowl in Miami, waving that number one finger. That moment was fixed. That whole thing was fixed. Yeah, this is one of my favorites because it's because it's so it's it feels that it could have happened. It's one of my favorite things. Like I, I wish somebody would do a movie about and just, I think it'd be great to see. Now, obviously, I don't believe that the the Super Bowl was fixed. Uh, I just think that what what happens a lot when these things occur is one league was overestimated and the other league was estimated. We also have the NFL that sort of forced into this merger because the AFL was getting all the best players. But also, I mean, we 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 underlooked the fact that, I mean, Joe Namath. Uh, he may not be anybody's. We've had this uh, the greatest quarterback ever, but that year he still threw for over three thousand yards, which is a big deal. That's Especially big back then, deal. yeah, he threw for three grand. And uh, if and I think the Jets scored more points in the year than the Ra- than the, Ra- the Ravens than uh, the Colts, and that 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 Jets defense was actually supposed to be pretty good. So from my perspective, I just think this is one of those things where all everything comes to place and there was the uh, there's I, I'm certain that the Colts took the Jets for granted and you're not having Unitas in there. That, to me, even though he's old, I feel like that's your if Unitas starts, it probably that game. Probably win that game. Earl Moore led the NFL in touchdown passes that that year. Yeah. He didn't throw yeah. not one in the Super Bowl. Mm-mm. And that was the first time in Earl Morrill's entire career he threw three interceptions in a game. Yeah. And we but we know that these things can happen, especially if you're not familiar with your opponent. If you don't especially know especially if the opponent is familiar with what you're going to do offensively. I'm just saying. <laughs> Any anytime somebody says, I'm just saying <laughs> That's what you should raise an eyebrow if you have the ability to do that. <laughs> I, I I just I fucking love these. I really hope people jump in and I love to hear other you know, one of the other one when we talked about this that night, where I was asking you about some other ones that you may think of. You know what I one I didn't that I didn't remember until just uh, a couple of nights ago? Yeah. The the great pink fiasco of the Patrick Ewing lottery. Oh wait, no, no, the uh, the frozen envelope. <laughs> That's right. That's oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That, was, oh, yeah. that was fixed. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Talk about yeah. it. Talk about it. Well, it, it's back. The young the people NBA, don't know this. Uh, the NBA draft lottery back in the early eighties 
um, which was in- instituted to stop tanking, which it didn't. Um, <laughs> the draft lottery looks vastly different than it does right now. And back, basically, they had uh, the teams that qualified for the lottery, the worst teams. They had um, their they had giant placards of their logo sealed in an envelope and put in basically like a, a tumbler, and mm. they would they would crank the tumbler, and one by one. They would stick their hand inside of the giant envelope tumbler, pull it out, opening envelope in a very dramatic presentation, then show the the giant uh, placard logo of the team to the camera one by one. And the conspiracy is that the New York Nick envelope was frozen. So when David Stern stuck his hand into the giant envelope tumbler, he knew which envelope not to pick until the right time, which of course was the Knicks envelope mm. that would send uh, Georgetown at the time, Georgetown great center Patrick Ewing to the New York Knicks and the rest is uh, history. This uh, this has been denied by all the of the <clears throat> uh, obvious parties, sure. but uh, I'm not buying it. There's no doubt in my mind that there was something funny going on with that to get Patrick Ewing to New York because of how important it was to have and people forget because the big man ain't the way it used to be. Yeah. But Patrick Ewing was a star. Patrick oh, yeah. Ewing was known coast to coast, border to border because of what he did in college at Georgetown. And mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing going into going to New York, a downtrodden franchise, was extremely important to the league's uh, growth. Uh, to eventually come become what it became in the late '80s and '90s, and what it is right uh right now dude you know this is this is that one conspiracy theory where i'm going i don't see that but i don't see that far-fetched to me i don't see that far-fetched <laughs> makes sense <laughs> yeah that don't see that far especially for a league that was trying to essentially you know you want the best players in the biggest markets and right. it, it all makes complete sense to me and i mean there there is some stuff where you know i think that it if somebody said came up with a conspiracy theory that got Magic Johnson in uh, L.A. and Larry Bird in Boston. Yeah, I would entertain that. And I've actually heard some. So I, I those types of things for a league that's really on the verge of sinking, you have to do some things, you know, that may not necessarily put you in the best light, but long term, it might be the right move to make for your, for your uh, league. I, I am always going to believe that David Stern was up to some shaky shit. Mm. I'm always going to believe that. Even, even if the <laughs> anecdotal evidence isn't there to support my belief, I am always going be, to be here for David Stern doing some underhanded stuff. Mm. And he's not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but I don't believe in ghosts, so I'm not worried about it. What are you going to do, <laughs> haunt me? I'm always going to believe that David Stern was up to uh, something shady. Let's uh, move on to the world of pop culture. What you got, my friend? Well, I think you and I are on the same uh, page with this, the Manti Teo documentary. I think I am so excited to see this thing. And uh, I guess he had a conversation with Jay-Z and this is kind of this kind of pushed this whole project forward. He says that Jay Z said to him, "To heal, I need to reveal it." Oh, Jay Z speaks in rhyme in uh, casual conversation. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, 
people who don't know this story, I would love. How do we know Manti Teo actually had a conversation with Jay Z? Yeah. See what I'm doing? I'm just saying. That's all <laughs> I'm doing. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm being an I asshole. mean, how, no. How do we know? How do we know? <laughs> I'm just asking questions. Just, I, I mean, I, I want you to sort of recap the story for people because this, to me, is one of uh, the most fascinating stories of all time when it comes to the catfishing stuff. Um, do my best to recall it. Uh, Manti Teo was a star linebacker for Notre Dame. Yeah. And his grandmother and his girlfriend died within a week of each other. Manti Teo was so good that he was even getting some Heisman love. And if you know college football, you know how crazy that is because defensive mm. players, if you're not named Charles Woodson, never yep. win the Heisman. And even when they do get some hype, you're like, oh, well, that's nice. They're just throwing a defensive player a, a bone. It, right. Middle of the season, Manti Teo was a legitimate Heisman candidate, didn't win the award that year. But that's how good he was during that time in college football. Anyway, it was found out. And this is this is this seems almost quaint now. Yeah, this is when America first really was introduced on a grand scale to catfishing. And I hope I don't screw this up. But in essence, Manti Teo's girlfriend didn't exist. Yeah. Now he, he said she did. And this is where a 19, 20 year old kid got caught in a lie. He never met her. And he was just basically talking to some and I don't even think it was actually a woman. I think it was a man impersonating a woman. He was talking to her on the phone and yeah. via text and email, mo uh, mostly. No FaceTime, mm -mm. no no, no video chat, no nothing. And then it was found out that, yes, he was indeed being catfished. And then the story blew up. And, and that has followed Manti Teo around, even through his pro career, which I think just finished up either last year or a couple of years ago. But yes, this is the this is the first high profile catfishing, uh, not not necessarily in American history, but that America finally knew about. And Manti Teo was at the at the center of it. And it's fascinating because uh, I, I always wondered, like, dude, how could you how could you not know? But I mean, you 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 tell me what you think of this. I feel like one of the reasons that he didn't know was simply because he's a kid in the Catholic school and he had some life and all this stuff. Yeah. This is probably That's his exactly first what it was. Girlfriend. He didn't know what he yeah. was doing. Yeah. Virgin. He didn't know what he was doing. I don't think there's a probably about it. <laughs> yeah, man. This, this this the first girl that really ever gave him some play. And boy, I tell you what, man. I, and and good for the young man. He seems to have 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 come out of it okay. If I'm not mistaken, he's got a wife and uh, and a kid or two. Like I said, he played in the NFL. So props to him on that. Man, Titeo seems to be after a very public humiliation. He seems to be a well-adjusted person. Because I don't know if I would be. Uh -uh. that well adjusted uh -uh. the first time a woman give you some play mm -mm. and then you find out it's not actually a woman mm -mm. i mean that would make me curl up in a ball bro i <laughs> i would have had to leave the team i'm like y'all keep that motherfucking high yo i'd have left the country my, what are take, you talking about the team <laughs> take me off this list i don't have left the planet man are you kidding me <laughs> Are you kidding me? Listen, we're at, uh, from on that in that respect, it's a good thing that Manti Teo was was not like from the hood and no shit because his boys wouldn't have Yo. never let him live in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. If he was black, he'd be getting cooked. No. Still. <laughs>
You have and to go into why, a life of stand. He had to go into a life of stand-up comedy after that because there's no right, way he's right? taking him serious again. Either stand-up comedy or binge drinking. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. That's why, that's why as black men, we keep all that trauma on the inside. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yo, man, yes. he would have gotten worked oh, man. behind. I, hey, I he could never go to the barbershop again. Ever. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> His motherfucking hair would be so long. <laughs> Yo, like man. A his, his hairline would have been garbage because he would have never gone back to the barbershop. Oh my god. I, I thought about that. And he, the, and even when it happened, we I was hanging out, I was hanging out with some dudes and like, man, I wish that I'm glad it's not one of the dudes in our crew because we would have let him have it. Oh yeah, you got to. We would have let him have it. <laughs> Yo, man, all these girls out here, and you fell for a non-girl. <coughs> we did, we did, we did, lit him up. Do you know how he is? That Twitter wasn't like a big ass thing that it is now. <laughs> you want to talk about a dude who would have probably unalived himself because of <laughs> that would have been it. Yeah, he would. He wouldn't be as well adjusted as he is right now. That's oh, for sure. Lord. He, 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 he definitely had some higher power looking out for him in that regard. I do have to say, though, and, and, and this is because I'm a snob about a lot of things, if you, <laughs> if you haven't been able to tell. Um, I'm a documentary snob. I'm not necessarily here for it. I, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, unless there's going to be a reveal that will answer some questions like, yo, man, how'd you fall for it? Or why did you why did you say you met her when you didn't and who was behind it? Yeah. Maybe those reveals will be there and I'll just find the spoilers on, you know, online or you could tell me. I'm not necessarily interested in this doc. And again, I am a documentary snob mm. because to me, it starts two things. First off, after the last dance, which yeah. again was a very important documentary in American history because that's when we were really locked down on quarantine and we needed something good and original to watch. Yeah. And that served it. But after the last dance doc, now we're getting too many. Uh, we just had the Derek Dieter, Derek Jeter documentary, the former yeah. Yankees uh, shortstop, great player. I have never once thought, I wonder what his thought process is. I would like to know what goes on in the mind of Derek Jeter. I don't care what goes on in the mind of Derek Jeter. Great player. I don't, care the tom brady documentary last uh, football season tom brady's the greatest quarterback of all time i have never once thought i'd like to know what goes on in tom brady's mind and how he you know what his what his thought process is never absolutely there's one coming out about carmelo anthony i don't want to know nothing about carmelo anthony great basketball player never been interested in him so there's only one person i'm looking for a documentary from that I really want. I already got Jordan. Mm. We got the Tiger one that he didn't take part in, but it's a really good one on HBO. I thought the Lance Armstrong documentary that followed uh, after uh, after the last answer, after the Tiger documentary, I forgot. I thought yeah, the Lance yeah. Armstrong documentary was really good. That was great. Lance Armstrong is a world-class asshole. Mm -hmm. um, there's only one I want. Give me Barry Bonds. That's the one I want. I want to know <clears throat> I want to know why he did what he did. Yeah. And I, I, I'm curious about his life growing up, you know, a, a, the child of a great baseball player and, and how he was able to, you know, to because he was a Hall of Fame player before he took the steroids. Then why would you take the steroids? I, you know, yeah. I, and now am I going to get that transparency from him in, in this 
uh, hypothetical documentary about Barry Bonds I have in my head? Probably not, because Barry Bonds hasn't talked about why he did what he did. Well, he still but denies it. it. He, of course, he still denies it. But mm-hmm. man, if we could get a documentary about Barry Bonds, that's the one I want to see. To me, that is infinitely more interesting than anything that will ever come out of Tom Brady and Derek Jeter's mouth combined. Well, I mean, you bring up the 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 main point of these things in terms of documentaries is they have the the subject has to be interesting. Like yes. Menti Te, Teo on his own is not very fascinating, but this particular story, the story I think sure. it's it's, sure. a, it's incredible story. Michael Jordan. Well, that dude, I mean, whether we admit it or not, he's still a pretty mysterious cat. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we think we know, we there's so much we don't know. And you you saw from that documentary, the, what made the documentary interesting is for a lot of folks who hadn't really be pay, been paying attention, you realize, oh, Michael Jordan is kind of a dick. <laughs> so I, I don't want this dude to be one of my boys. I don't think I want to go with this dude. He's an asshole. But you did get a little bit into his 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 process. Yeah. Why he became the 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 sociopathic killer basketball player right. that he became. I, I just I thought it was interesting that and you're right, you still don't know a lot about him, but at least you got that. And to me, that's interesting. He's a fascinating person. You know who else I want to see one on? I want to see one on Kobe Bryant. I think his is going to be incredibly fascinating when they do it. Yeah. It, yeah. Basically, he made yeah. you know he he went from golden boy to villain to you know this revered superhero who now people think is one of the three greatest basketball players of all time. I mean, those are the ones that are interesting. Muhammad Ali, anything on Ali, I want to watch because that dude fascinating. Carmelo Anthony, who gives a shit? <laughs> but you know what? The Joe Montana one, great. I did hear about that, and that... I'm a big Joe Montana fan. I, I'm gonna watch it, but I got to get your Peacock password because I'm not paying for Peacock. I got so. you. I got you. I got Thank you. Bro. But, Thank yeah. you, bro. That, let you me will uh, enjoy that. And let me recommend some documentaries. You mentioned Muhammad Ali. It's not necessarily a documentary about his life, but when we were kings, about uh, the Rumble yes. in the Jungle, is not just a great documentary. It is a mm-hmm. great movie, flat out. Uh, the documentary Cinna about uh, Formula One uh, uh, race car driver and many considered to be the greatest of all time, Ayrton Senna. That's Mm. another one. It's a great documentary. Yes, it is about auto racing. Yes, it is about Formula One. (laughs) But it's a really, really good movie. I Mm. highly recommend you watch the Senna documentary if you haven't. And uh, HBO, if I'm remembering correctly, did a documentary about Diego Maradona. Uh, Many people consider to be the greatest soccer player. Uh, of all time, uh, as uh, a good friend of mine uh, explained to me, a uh, buddy of mine who grew up in Venezuela, Simone, he said, Maradona is the Michael Jordan of soccer. And when he explained it to me in that regard, mm. I went, mm. okay, mm. I get it. The documentary is absolutely outstanding. That Maradona cat on the the field or the pitch, as they call it in uh, in soccer, and off that Maradona was a wild, wild boy. So uh, <laughs> ch- check out Cinna and Maradona if you uh, if you have not. Those are two really good documentaries. And and those are two guys who were at the top of, uh, of their field, considered to be the greatest of all time. And you do get some insight as to what made them tick uh, in their respective fields and and outside of uh, of what they did to entertain millions or billions of people on the planet.
let me add one more because Please. that's you uh, the one that I watched. Uh, God, it was the ESPN OJ Simpson documentary was oh incredible. yeah incredible. Yeah, good call. Yeah, incredible. it was it was a hard watch at times, but you're 100 percent right on that. Yeah, Ooh, good call. Man, Oof. I mean that's one where I'm going, wow. Good call. He's a piece of shit sellout. Yeah, he's he's awful. <laughs> he's awful. I mean, he's just you 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 think about all the people that we've lost over the past you know few years. You know, Nipsey Hussle's uh, yeah. birthday was was this week, and you know we've lost some some great actors and actresses, and just great you know people. Yeah. Uh, recently, yet. George Zimmerman and OJ Simpson are still walking the earth. Dude, still God's hair. That's that's wild to think about it. (laughs) And OJ Simpson's still pulling chicks. Yeah, man. (laughs) George Zimmerman's still buying guns. That's my boy. You know, it just it makes you Ooh, it just makes you wanna holla. Um, (laughs) All right, let's get into some randomness before we uh, get to the juice segment where we take a topic and squeeze all of the goodness out of it. Random wise, what you got for me, my friend? It's it's really, it pisses me off that we have to think about this, but uh, apparently polio is in the United States. This This is a disease that we had essentially stamped out but in direct correlation and i think causation by people who have asked probably seven eight years or so really intensely have just become Mm anti-vax this is the sort of outcome you could only expect to happen and so new york is now on alert because polio is exploding there new york and london are the primary places like what the fuck is going on, polio, dude? And the scary thing is, is polio has no—it's asymptomatic. So you could have this thing and be passing it around to people, and no one will know it until it's too late. Yay! And and so and the way they are founding out about about the rise of polio is that they go through the sewage system because you can because the virus sort of lives feces and fecal matter. And so they can go in and they can test the sewage and they find traces of the virus. And apparently polio is back. And we have to start worrying about polio and monkeypox and all this shit because people don't want to get uh, vaccinated. Jesus Christ. Polio 2, electric boogaloo. It is, <laughs> it is very important to, to mention that the reason polio was eradicated, because mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. It's because of massive vaccinations. Yeah. Once we got the polio vaccine and, and I, you know, talk, all you need to do is talk to, uh, you know, talk to your parents or grandparents if still around and they went to school in the late forties and fifties, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually even beyond that, yeah. where they would line kids up at school and one by one, by the hundreds, yes, they would inject them all with the polio vaccine. There wouldn't know I need a religious <laughs> exemption. Yeah. There wouldn't know I need to talk to my doctor. There wasn't know I need to do my own research. Yeah. Everybody in the United States of America lined up, and thanks to the government, they were all injected with the polio vaccine. 
And what happened? Polio was, well, up until recently, absolutely eradicated in the United States of America. Gee, it's interesting <laughs> how mass vaccinations do good for the public health. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. And now I'm actually thinking about going to get a booster, a polio booster, because, you know, I haven't had a booster for polio in probably 40, 45 years, to be completely honest with you. So this worries me, especially as a guy who's a little bit older. Uh, I'm trying to get all this shit taken care of. Yeah, man. Hey, hey. Hook me up with all of it. Give me, <laughs> hey, when they drop that new COVID vaccine, yes, you, with the new COVID booster, hit your boy with that. You got some of that monkeypox vaccine? Yes. Well, let me get a taste of that. Yes. Oh, a word. Yes. You, got, you got that new polio booster? Which arm you want? It, did you have COVID? Did you ever get it? No. Knock on wood. Oh, I, I, I got it. I, I, I went down. That's a good place to start. I I, uh, I went the entire <clears throat> two years without getting anything, and then all of a sudden one day I got that shit, and it it. Luckily, I was vaxxed and boosted, so my symptoms were mild. That I had like one night where I was like, "Oh my god, this is the most miserable shit ever," and I'm like, "Oh, I would have been dead if I hadn't been vaccinated because I have a touch, a touch of asthma." So I'm sure that I would have been fucked off, like. I, been a rat for me because I had a such a hard time breathing that night. This shit is no joke, and I wish people would stop being so anti-science and anti-intellectual and just fucking take the medicines. Because sometimes it, it's so funny when we were kids. That's that was like a saying: medicine, right? Take your medicine. That's it. I know way too many medical professionals to not believe in science. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, yes. It's just it's just not gonna happen. It's, yeah, starting starting from my stepmother all the way down. I know yeah. way too many people in the in 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 the medical business to be like, well, I don't trust this vaccine. They rushed it. Who knows what's in it? Please <laughs> give me all the vaccines. Hook me up. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> um, you, you know the when these things happen on on Twitter. Uh, in this case, black Twitter, uh, it breaks my heart to yeah. see to see black folks uh, at war. Mm. And uh, recently, uh, black Twitter uh, was uh, was on fire because um, of another divisive issue. And it wasn't this time. It wasn't the eternal fight, you know, men versus women. Sure. What what do women want? Why don't men listen? It wasn't that. It was it, it was another argument that I think was even more personal and 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 even more upsetting than the usual arguments you'll get on black Twitter. And and this argument was uh one it, it divided marriages, uh, families, everything. And Marcus it, it was which is the which is the better jam? Which is the more timeless jam? Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It Oof. or Return of the Mac by Mark Oof. Morrison. And I, I, while, while watching uh, this, this go down, Oof. I was, my heart hurt by the people who felt that they had to make a choice between these two <laughs> epic, timeless bangers <laughs> and the folks who felt the need to denigrate one of the jams 
because they wanted to lift up the <laughs> favorite jam. And listen, hey. listen, listen, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll, listen, I will get deep and I will get personal on this podcast. <laughs> I love Return of the Mac. It's my song, baby. It's my <laughs> it's my thing. When he, when he hit that at the beginning, that oh that's a brother that's about to let this broad know you ain't gonna cramp my style. You lied to me, but I'm back out here in these streets macking yes. on these ladies. I yes. love returning to Mac, but that doesn't mean that I cannot appreciate the brilliance and the booty shaking power of this is how we do it. So all yes. I say is this. You can love one song more than the other, but we don't have to tear down the other one just to prop up the song that we love. Yes, man. I mean, can we all? Can I can't, we all I'm, just, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we all just get along? That's exactly. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, I, when I was when I first got into radio, those two songs were we were playing incessantly. And based, here's what I realized. The women love the Montel Jordan song. Mm -hmm. The dudes loved the Return of the Mac. <laughs> you noticed that, huh? <laughs> and, it, and, and, and I, I remember sitting in there and I would be taking requests. And it just, it, it happened, it, it became so obvious that I noticed it. Put it that way. Usually when you take, <laughs> you're taking requests of songs, you know a song is popular. Right. But these songs came out right around the same time period. So, like, oh, all the women want to hear the this Montel Jordan. All the dudes are like, I want to come pimp strutting through the door. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I super get it. <laughs> By the way, Mark Morrison, we never heard from him again. Didn't he went, need to. He but went did, to jail. Did, <laughs> did he really go to jail? Seriously? He went to, oh, he went to jail. This For what? He was a he was a he was a he was a uh, a London gangster. The boy was just a gangster, and I guess I think he actually got out of jail, and then recorded Return of the Mac, and then got into trouble again for like beating the fuck out of somebody or something, and went and never got the chance to do another song. You know what? That makes me love him even more. <laughs> that makes me love him even more. <laughs> Meanwhile, Montel Jordan becomes a preacher or some shit. I'm like, come on, dude. And didn't he date the vice president? Uh, did he date Kamala Harris? Holy sh well, he's well, he's significantly, significantly younger than her. No, that is no that that you oh, think about I, the other Montel, I, the other Montel. Oh, I'm thinking about the talk show host. The, yeah, the yeah. Other, the, the other uh, uh, that's the other Montel headed brother. Yeah. Okay, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Please don't that's, take my hood pass from me. No, I'm no, sorry. No, no they both black. The singing Mon <laughs> the singing Montel Jordan is dude. He's about your height. So he's about six eight. Yeah, he's about six eight. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was doing it for the tall brothers, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking smooth and silky dancing and stuff too. Like, okay, yeah. dude, do your yeah. thing. <laughs> Good call, Rod. Two timeless bangers, man. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you put you put those on and it will get any party cracking. Absolutely. Yep. Uh the world is better <clears throat> because of those two songs. All right, let's get into the juice, my man. What's your topic that we want to get into and squeeze all the goodness out of? Well, you know, this is I guess it's it's more editorializing, and I think it's kind of important that we do it. Uh, the NBA is going to not play games on election day. I saw and that. I, and I think that's awesome. I think that's fucking great. And I think that many of us should follow suit. 
I've been for years pushing the idea of having, like many other countries in the world, election day should be a holiday. Mm -hmm. Nobody should have to work. You should, we should be making every single accommodation necessary to get people to the polls to participate in this sort of civic activity. Because there's nothing worse than hearing people make excuses for why they didn't go out to the polls and vote. It just drives me crazy. And it's, but especially for black folks. Like our parents suffered through too much shit, our grandparents suffered through too much shit to get that right. For you to simply go, oh, you know, that don't really mean nothing. My vote don't matter. Uh, I don't really care about that shit. Uh, or I've heard somebody say, that's for white folks. No, man. They have brainwashed you into thinking that that's for white folks. That's how they keep you from the polls. We don't, ha- we don't, really, have- we don't really exercise our power in this country because so many of us refuse to participate in the really simple activity mm-hmm. of just getting out there to vote. It's just got to become important. And if 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 nothing if we've learned nothing over the past six seven eight years, it is the importance of getting out there to vote, primarily on a local level, not just for presidents, because that ultimately doesn't mean as much as these these things that go on in yeah. the legislative branch yeah. of the government. I just want people to get out there, and I, I applaud the NBA for doing that, and I, I hope the other professional sports leagues follow suit. I really do. A couple of things here. I, I completely agree with everything you just said. Once again, shout out to the NBA for for being the leader when it comes to social uh, mm-hmm. issues, and, and voting mm-hmm. is definitely a social issue. Um, the reason Election Day is not a holiday in this country is because they don't want it to be. The yep. powers that be don't want it to be, mm-hmm. particularly, if not exclusively, Republicans, and we see how they feel about people voting. Yep. They don't want you doing that because they know the more people that vote, the more of them are going to vote Democratic. Um, And we look at the Republican history of gerrymandering uh, congressional districts and voter suppression. They don't want anything (laughs) to be easy when it comes to the masses voting. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's not a holiday. But if you're going to make it a holiday, I think you have to do something as well. You got to make it mandatory for people to vote. But they're never going to make it mandatory to vote here. I think it's mandated. You have to. It's mandatory to vote in Australia. Yeah. I don't know why that country in particular pops into my head. Uh, and other countries around the world, you you you, you got to vote. Okay, that's just part of the deal. Um, you have the freedom to 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 not vote. You have the freedom to be a jerk. You have yep. the freedom to do all of these things. You don't have the freedom to infringe on another. You don't have the freedom to hurt another person. But you have the freedom to not do anything you don't want to do. So election day, I don't think is ever going to become a holiday and it's not going to be compulsory or mandated by the government. That would be considered government overreach. Sure. But here's, here's the easy solution. <clears throat> Move election day from the first Tuesday in November to the first Saturday in November. Huh. Move it to a Saturday. Yeah. That way, you don't have to make it a holiday. We see how difficult it is to get something yeah. to be a holiday. Just go yeah. back and look at the fight for Martin Luther King Jr. Day and yeah. and Juneteenth. How people actively tried to stop those two holidays. Certain yep. people, if mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about, wink, wink, mm-hmm. tried to mm-hmm. stop those two holidays from happening. So it's not easy to get a holiday uh, uh, law, in essence, passed in this country. So to move around that, just make election day the first Saturday. In November. Now, does that uh, get in the way of my favorite sport, college football? 
Yes. <laughs> I will I will look past that. Okay. <laughs> because the first Saturday in November is LSU Alabama. That's a very important day to me and others <laughs> who worship at the church of LSU football. But I'll I'll be willing to 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 put that aside and uh to have election day be the first Saturday in November. But moving election day from a work day to Saturday to a weekend day just makes yep. too much damn sense. It'll never happen in my life. <clears throat> Yeah, I, and that's a great idea, Rod. That's actually a really great idea. I, I would even maybe even push it to a Sunday just because all these church-going folks, it, it, all these polls are at churches anyway. <laughs> Why are you at church? Go ahead and vote. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Go to the <laughs> polls and vote. You'll pay for the entire seat, but you'll only need the edge. Rod, did you go to LSU? Louisiana State University, baby. Go Tigers. Woo! I did not know that. Golly, I did not know that. It's well, gonna be an do, interesting year for the uh, for the. Do you get out? Team. Do you get out there to watch games? Uh last time I was there was um, LSU Alabama. Ooh, I forget when it was. It's probably like ten years ago, mm. eight years ago. The game they lost in overtime. I don't want to talk about it. Did y'all just lose a quarterback? Um, yes, but he wasn't going to play anyway. Uh, Miles Miles Brennan. Uh, uh, yes, the, yes. Yeah, the, the Brian Kelly, who used to coach Notre Dame, went to LSU this offseason. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. In, that's in right. a move that surprised a lot of people. Oh, my um, God. He his, was, his fake country accent? Yeah, my family. <laughs> um, I, I just think he was having a minor stroke at the time. <laughs> that's just the way I look at it. Uh, but um, he was able to get a quarterback in the transfer portal from Arizona State, and that guy is number one of the depth charts. So, Miles Brennan, the quarterback you're referring to, who've been at LSU for six years and just because of injury and certain other things, just didn't have a chance to play. Joe Burrow came in and that was a really good two years. Uh, he, uh, Miles Brennan uh, is, is not playing, but like I said, he, the chances of him getting on the field this year were slim and none. And both of those guys were way down on the depth chart too. You know, I have to say this, I, Joe Burrow, um, he exceeded every single expectation that I had of him coming out of LSU. I, I mean, I, 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 LSU quarterbacks in general, I just don't, I don't think very highly of. So even when they have good years or good uh, careers in, at LSU, I never expect them to do much in the pros. This kid is dynamite. No oh, man, he's he. I mean, what he did in those two years, especially that national championship year at, at LSU, that 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 was <clears throat> that, that was the greatest offensive season by any college football team ever. And people considering this is crazy to me as an LSU fan going way back. It, people consider yeah. that LSU team to be one of the greatest of all time, up there with those great Miami teams, and up there. Oh, with I those would. Great, I would say it's one of the you greatest. know those great Oklahoma and Nebraska teams, and those couple of USC teams and other squads that I'm I'm forgetting. Uh, but it, yeah. the thing with with Joe Burrow, and this is a number one, always credit. Uh, the athlete's talent and his hard work and Joe Burrow's, uh, both of those things uh, have, have, uh, have worked out well for Joe Burrow. But, and, and the great Steve Young is, is the one who hit me onto this. So shout out to my friend, Steve Young. And yes, I am, uh, I'm, I'm, 
I just told you that Steve Young is a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> did I did I just flex that Steve Young is a friend? Yes, yes you should. You uh, should. What's the what's the point of knowing famous people if you can't tell people that you know famous people, right? Goddamn right. Uh, but uh, Steve Young hit me onto this: the pro game and the college game have never been more similar. Authentic. Yes, absolutely. Um, because what what was once the spread offense was just the exclusive province of college football. Now you have those spread concepts in the NFL, <clears throat> Joe, quarterback, uh, Joe quarterback Joe Burrow uh, being a guy who 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 flourished in uh, in the spread offense when he got to the NFL, it wasn't new to him. He was yeah. he was hearing the same terminology. He was having to do basically the same stuff. Now he was doing it against much better athletes. NFL players are significantly better than than, than college players across the board. The game sure. is bigger. The game is stronger. The game is faster. But he didn't have to, Joe Burrow, go from the spread offense in LSU to try and run a pro style, as we used to call it, offense. He's yep. basically running the exact same thing he did for two years at a high level and what a championship at LSU. So that, along with Joe Burrow's talent and work ethic yeah. and his leadership, that's why Joe Burrow was able to go to the Super Bowl and drag the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl with him last year. And it doesn't hurt that the brothers love him. It does not. Yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 man. Listen, he, he, he. God, I hate this word. Joe Burrow got that swag, man. He does, though. Joe, Joe Burrow. But, you, but, but, his Heisman Trophy speech is 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 one of my favorite Heisman Trophy speeches because he didn't grow up poor. He grew up the son of a of a high school football coach, and his dad, uh, grew up the son of a, a college football coach. But he grew up, Joe Burrow did, in a poor area in Ohio, around yeah. Athens, Ohio. And there ain't no money in Athens, Ohio. So, he's, no. so he, knows, he knows the struggle. Um, and, and I think that understanding of, of other people who might not be as fortunate uh, as Joe Burrow, that helped him greatly when he went to Ohio State. It definitely helped him greatly when he went to Louisiana. He was able to relate without without it being forced or without it being what's yeah. the word I'm looking for without it being disingenuous or contrived yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah exactly. I think you actually bring a pretty good point up um and I think it's uh, this has helped the NFL so much the the sort of of college coaches becoming pro coaches and vice versa because they're bringing this offense back and forth from the pros into mm -hmm. the colleges, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Because as you pointed out, it used to be incredibly difficult to gauge whether a star quarterback, specifically, his talents could, could play to the NFL game. Well, now we've got a much better idea. And this is one of the reasons that a lot of these kids go to certain colleges, because they yep. do have aspirations yep. to be in the NFL, and I want to go yep. play in that pro offense. Can I do it? We're going to find out. I think it's really essentially the is basically the G League, the minor leagues of the pros, mm -hmm. whether they mm -hmm. admit it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and and now you have a much better gauge because this is what all these minor leagues are supposed to be. They're supposed to give you a gauge on who's going to be really good at the next level. Right, right. It it only makes sense, and this benefits this benefits all players. It doesn't benefit the running backs all that much because that position is being sort of downsized and devalued by the True. second. But you know these these offensive concepts. It benefits the 
uh, linebackers because they now have to play a different game in college and they're mm-hmm. going to have to now play a different game in the pros in terms of you don't have the Mike Singletary's and, and middle linebackers heading downhill. Now you got to have dudes who can flow from sideline to sideline. Yep. This also helps defensive backs in the way that mm-hmm. they go about doing their job. So their 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 skill set can translate from from college to the pros and the the uh, the transition period isn't as long and it isn't as difficult before the most important position in sports for quarterback for that transition from the college and pros for that transition to be smoothed out or to be made easier it only makes sense because of the importance of the quarterback and you got to win and you got to win now so if you can cut the developmental time of your most important player the quarterback and i'm just using a time frame here as an example but if you can cut that development time in half from four years to two Man, you cooking with gas. Yes, so sir. So it, it, it's it's stupid that the NFL has been resistant to college ideas for so long. But as you mentioned, the intermingling of the coaches going from sort of one to the other, it all makes sense. And the product, specifically the, the NFL, is much much better for it. Far far better. I know this has been a this has probably been the most sports heavy show we've done. But uh, I feel like as always, there are so many good things that come out of sports, that the sports really does create some incredible conversations. This has actually been one of my favorite sports shows that we've done. It, everything was sports today, and I, I couldn't be happier about it. Oh, man. I mean, I say it every week, dude, but the more of these we do, and I, I, I don't even know if we've done 12, but the more quality hang episodes we do, the two of us, yeah. the more fun this becomes, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've said it to you before. I'm so happy you came up with the idea of the two of us uh, uh, get together and doing a podcast. And yeah. every week it, it it confirms and affirms what uh, what I believe uh, then and what I believe now. Amen, brother. Amen. I mean, I, actually, this is one of those things that I look forward to doing because I can just get a bunch of shit off and I can talk to somebody who conversationally I can enjoy and hang out with. I miss you, dude. I got to we got to get together at some point soon live. But you're gonna be busy throughout the football season, so. Yeah, I. Uh, there's something I think we'll be announcing here pretty soon that uh, is, is going <laughs> to is going to occupy my time. I went from <laughs> I went from uh, having all the time in the world to do anything that I needed to do to now not having enough time to do all of the things I have to do. But uh, being busy with uh, with this upcoming. Uh, television venture is uh, is <laughs> is an absolute dream come true. So we, I haven't seen the schedule at all. Are the 49ers playing the Saints this year? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I would I would assume that they are. It seems like they always do. Uh, and if they are, will it be in New Orleans? That's what I'm. 49ers schedule. I'm looking at the 49ers schedule for 2022. Mm, they do play the Saints, but it's in. SF? The area. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know that the Raiders are going to be playing in New Orleans, so I'll be looking forward to seeing a bunch of folks come out here and act a goddamn fool. <laughs> <laughs> and they will. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. It's been another edition, another quality hang, baby. Yes. Yes. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at quality hang at quality hang pod. You can find uh, back episodes there. You can find video clips. You can find all sorts of uh, quality hang minutia. 
And uh, of course, uh, wherever you, uh, however you consume this podcast, uh, make sure you uh, rate it, uh, tell a friend about it, make a friend and then tell a friend about it because we are going to keep doing it. Like I said, Marcus, man, uh, Quality Hang is not just the name of the podcast. It is, uh, it's a lifestyle, baby. It's a vibe. That is exactly what we do, my man. Yes, yes. Uh, be good and uh, be safe on that uh, on that half a country drive going uh, going back to New Orleans. You're yeah, a better pray man for than me. me, brother. Pray for me. Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Driving from the Bay Area to New Orleans in <laughs> August. Whoo! Tip of the hat, my brother. Couldn't do it. Couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. I get it though. I get it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want it to be me either, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you, man. Be good. All right now, be safe. All right, everybody. Be good or be good at it. See you.